Hello, and welcome to the Old Broads Running Podcast. I'm Terry, And I'm Angela. And really, we're not that old. But we're not exactly young either. But we feel young, and that's why we're here. Exactly. It's never too late to start living your best life. You've paid your dues, and now it's time to reap the benefits. For me, that started when I found a like-minded community and used them for accountability. And that's what we want to be for you. So come on and join us on a run. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Old Broads Run. Today, we're going to really dive into staying healthy and injury-free. And for those of us of a certain age... You meet old broads? For us old broads... That means modification. So what do we mean by modification? Later, we're going to talk about specific running modification, but first I'd like to talk about it in general for a bit. For most of my life, I weighed 140 pounds. And I remember the first time that I thought I was fat and had to lose weight. And I was in college and I my clothes were getting a little tight and I got on the scale and I realized that my weight had creeped up to over 150. And I panicked as all 20 year olds do and then I ate nothing but chicken breasts and broccoli for a month and I lost the weight (laughs) so (laughs) for most of my 30s and 40s that was my go-to I'd gain a little bit of weight I'd eat less move more and I'd lose it and it was pretty easy and then in my 40s things started to change and it was a lot harder to get to that 140 pounds and I'd gain a little weight and I would struggle and I'd starve myself and I'd exercise way too much and I just you know my body didn't want to be 140 anymore and so for a decade I was really stressed out and upset about my weight and so I remember on my 50th birthday I gave myself a birthday present and that was to relieve myself of the pressure of 140 and I actually wrote a blog about it that's on the from fat to finish line website and we'll post a link to it because I remember how freeing that was to just say you know what so I'm that girl's gone. I'm never going to weigh 140 pounds again. But, you know, at 165 pounds at that point, which happens to be the weight for Athena triathletes, I felt like a badass and I could get on the podium. I, I won a couple of triathlons and I felt good. And I, and you know, then I looked at pictures of myself and I looked fine because I was 50. So basically, When I was 50, I modified my expectations of what a healthy body meant for me. So, you know, I've had to learn how to modify my life quite a bit over the last four years. You know, that initial year that I had started to lose the weight and to run, um, it was all so new to me. And I figured everything that I was doing at that time is how it would always be. But that was not the case, really. Over the next few years, my weight fluctuated. And as my weight fluctuated, and when I say fluctuated, my weight increased, um, so did my running. It wasn't as easy to run those faster 5Ks as my weight had come back on. My lowest weight that I got to was 129 pounds. I ran my fastest 5K at that. Um, but for me to be able to keep myself at that weight, and which enabled me to run faster, was so hard. And I will tell you right now that at 129, my obsession with food drove me crazy and drove my family crazy. So Terry, I'm saying I think that this is this is something that happens with a lot of people who have lost significant amounts of weight and I see that most people who lose weight usually drop down 
to a to their quote unquote low weight and then choose that as their goal weight, but their actual healthy weight is usually up a little bit up. And I think it does something really psychological to you though, doesn't it? Because you feel like you're gaining your weight back. Because you even said that. Yeah. You just said, you know, I put weight back on, but you know, maybe you just lost too much weight the first time. And that is actually a really good point. And actually I think it is what happened. And I think as I put the weight back on, it does play mind tricks because there's something that as a lifelong obese woman says, especially as she gets into her 50s and they've hit that goal weight that they've never hit before, I'm never putting that weight back on again. And when you tell yourself that and then that first, and it could only be one or two pounds, comes back on, you think that you're failing. Yeah, so that's maybe something that we can talk about with a mental health professional in a future podcast about what in weight loss, how to accept your healthy goal as opposed to like having some certain number. Because as I think that you and I talk about a lot when we talk about our weight struggles, because our paths are different, we think about it differently. You know, like I kind of have this thing as I'm older that, you know, you better like me the way I am. I worried about being skinny for far too much of my life. <laughs> and now <laughs> I don't want to be uncomfortable, but I am less concerned when my weight fluctuates up and down five or 10 pounds. And then I start worrying when it gets above that because then I start noticing the unhealthy stuff, you know? You know, I will tell you right now, I, and I think your mindset is why you are my hero because I love the fact of your confidence in in owning your body. I had to learn how to do that because I wasn't always like that. I just got to that point. Let's talk about you because you were talking about that fastest 5K and you talk about that 31-minute 5K and chasing the sub 35K and, and I've known you. We've been good friends for a few years now and you're constantly talking about that. Um, but that probably comes at a lower weight, which you could be, you know, you could say, I want to run a faster 5k and I'm going to lose weight and run it, but then let my body go back to my healthy weight where I don't have to obsess about food and I can eat some for pleasure, some for fuel. Always a good idea. And not obsess and then realize at that point you know, my 5K is a 36-minute 5K or a 33-minute 5K, you know, 11-minute, 12-minute mile, which is still great, right? I mean... No, absolutely. Running, to me, running, whether I'm running fast or slow, I'm still running. Right, right. And, like, you know, we're I'm a runner. So now it's probably, that's probably a good transition to talk about running specific modification because what we need to do as women of a certain age. And you mean old broads, us. I do mean old broads. So old broads need to run smarter. And that might mean checking your ego at the door. I mentioned in the last podcast that I started running in 1984 and I was 20 years old. So I run all the time untrained. Now, when I first started running, I just ran, you know, when I needed to lose weight. So I don't think I did an organized race until I was in my 30s. And I was living in New York City and I had decided that I wanted to run the New York City Marathon. And so there was the five borough half marathons and that would 
would get you an automatic entry into the New York Marathon. So I trained a little, but I worked really hard and I had a high pressure job. And so I didn't follow training plans very well. And I ran a lot of races untrained when I was younger. And it never, you know, if I was really, really untrained, I'd be sore, but it never did any long-term damage. But... If you've seen the movie From Fat to Finish Line, then you're probably familiar with Jen Small, and she's a badass. So in 2014, she registered to come out to California and run the Surf City Half Marathon with me. So I was traveling for work a lot, and I was going back and forth to Kentucky a couple times a month, and I was editing the movie From Fat to Finish Line. So ironically, I was spending a lot more time sitting on my ass editing a running movie than actually running. And so (laughs) she came out, and I was not trained for that race. I probably should have said something. Probably the longest run I'd gone for in the last six months had been maybe three miles. But I decided to run that race untrained because I thought, oh, I've done it a bunch of times before. I can run a half marathon untrained. But this time, it was a few weeks before my 50th birthday, and I did something to my hamstring on that race that still bothers me today. So obviously, when you hit a certain age... (laughs) And we know that as old broads. You must modify, run smarter, don't run half marathons untrained, or you might hurt yourself. And when you're new to running, first of all, you don't know your body, so you're not sure what that injury is or what that tinge is in your foot or your knee, and you don't know your limitations. I'm going to go back to 2016. That was the first year that I had actually started running, and that year I ran 33 races. I did not train for any of them. I did try the couch to 5K, and I did try Google, but basically my goal was every race was to run faster, and I took no rest days. Um, I ended up getting injured. In August of 2016, I ended up hurting my foot and ended up in that dreaded boot. And this is where I really did wish that I, number one, had a coach, but number two, I knew how to modify and I knew what the limits of my new body were. So what do these stories mean exactly for you, our listener, and your running? Generally, for old broads, it means slowing down and knowing when we need extra recovery. There's always the occasional exception to that rule, like badass Catherine Switzer, who ran a 444 marathon at age 70, (laughs) but most of us mere mortals need to modify. So here are three things that I want you to think about the next time you set out on a training run that might be tied to a specific plan. One, what's a comfortable speed to run at where you can carry on a conversation or if you're alone, sing a song? That's where most of your training should be. In runner speak, we call it zone two, and it's probably a lot slower than you think, and it might be a hard pill to swallow. Two, think about running for time versus mileage on some, if not all, of your long runs. We all have some days when we feel better than others, but when life and its responsibilities robs us of sleep or stresses us out, it takes more of a physical toll on us than it did when we were in our 20s and 30s. So let's say you have five miles on your training plan and you're just really not feeling that great. If you're like me, you'll go out there and you'll slug those five miles and you'll dread every minute of it and you'll spend the entire time looking down at your watch and doing the math and trying to figure out how much longer you're going to be out there. But if you say, hey, I'm going to just run for an hour today and then you know exactly when you're going to be done and you can like queue up a certain playlist like I have the soundtrack to come from away and I know it's an hour run and I can pretend I'm back at the show watching it and just not worry about your pace for that day and you'll feel so much better completing an hour run than cutting a five mile run short or suffering through every step and then that takes the joy out of it and then you start dreading going out for runs. 
And last, but definitely not least, know when you need an extra rest day. Running when you're really tired or feeling ill is the fastest way to get injured. Running plans are guidelines and shouldn't be taken as gospel. Now, I'm not saying to make a bunch of excuses and not follow your plan, (laughs) but know when you need to modify. And you know, that's one thing that I definitely learned during the last training plan that I did with you was the flexibility and telling you how I was feeling so that you could modify as needed. Um, You know, when I look back at that foot injury that I had and what I was doing, and it was not only not taking rest days, but I was pushing myself every training day and or race. And I literally had no idea what I was doing. But when I look back to my marathon training and the plan that you had provided me, I learned running for time instead of distance because it did make a huge difference. The idea of running for time is to not worry about your pace. I think that is where I wish I had known that prior because I think that would have helped with that foot injury I had. And I think pace was a big thing because right before I started training for my marathon, I was running five and 10 Ks at 11 or 12 minute pace. And when we started running our long runs um, together, you made me run between a 14 and a 15 minute pace at zone two. I totally could not understand it. And it really pissed me off. (laughs) And I had to learn that running slow is still running. No matter what your pace is, you're still building muscular strength and cardiovascular endurance. And doing it slowly means you're less likely to get injured. And I don't know if you remember, this is actually a kind of a funny story, but not. We had ran down to Pan America Park. Pan America, right, Angela? Pan Pacific. Pan Pacific. Dang it. Um, So we ran down there and we had intended to just run around the park and the neighborhood, but it just the the traffic and the crowds just were not having it so when we went back into the park that was full of people and tons of big dogs which yeah you know my love of those um we decided to go ahead and just do these hill repeats because it had a decent science hill there and um not that i am competitive or anything but as we started doing their hill repeats every time we get to the bottom my goal was to beat you to the top of the hill Unfortunately, one of those races up the hill um, aggravated a a plantar fasciitis I didn't even know I had. And I learned all you need to know about plantar fasciitis about a week later as I could barely walk. So, you know, lesson learned, um, slow is still running. And no ego on training days. So, you know, it's really hard to stay dialed back, but you have to save the high octane for race day. And, you know, let me tell you, that's not that hard on, you know, those days that you're not feeling it, you didn't sleep well, you're really not up to running. But on those good days that you just want to take off and PR that one mile, it really is hard to dial it back. True. That is true. So I want to, I do want to take time to recap three important things. And this is your homework, people. First, Run at a comfortable speed when training. You're building towards your real goal, which is on race day. Second, I want you to consider running for time instead of distance. And here, I am speaking from the heart. And third, make sure you take your scheduled rest days so you don't hurt yourself like I did. And if you're feeling sick or tired, it's okay to take an extra rest day here and there. Coach Rick Akey always says, if you follow a plan 80%, you're golden. 
These things are the job of a running coach to analyze your workouts, to look at your stats, to discuss how you feel and modify your plan accordingly. But when you don't have a personal running coach, you need to know when to do these things for yourself. And this is good advice for all runners, not just old broads. I mean, Olympic coaches, they do this exact process for their gold medal athletes. Do you mean that I could be a gold medal athlete? Jack Canfield says you can be anything you want to be. Okay, so now you've got your homework. Try them out. Come back to our Facebook group, and we'll be discussing them. So this week on our run, Terry and I got down and dirty about our weight. Right now, our struggles are about the same. We'd each like to lose 15 or 20 pounds. Uh, 20 pounds, but I'll take 15. But like we said before, our histories are very different, and that gives us different perspectives on it. We have some interesting discussions, and we had one on our last run. So take a listen. Terry and I are going to do a little more walking this time than last time because we're getting back in shape and realized that it was a little hard to hear us. (laughs) So... We decided to do a challenge, an old broads challenge, but we don't really want to call it a weight loss challenge because as we said during our podcast conversation, and as I pledged myself six years ago for my birthday, that I wasn't going to be obsessed by a number on the scale. That being said, weighing yourself is a good measurement right it's a good way to it is and it's, it's, it's a good it's, tracking it's, you measurement know what? you treat it as a tool it's a tool it's what we need to exactly to be able to monitor what our progress is knowing that it's fluctuating so i heard on someone else's podcast i think it was jen the delay don't deny chick i don't know how well this is going to work because of the fact that it allows for like obsession <laughs> about weight but she actually weighs herself every morning and then on friday she takes an average and so she looks oh. at her weekly average because your weight can fluctuate so much yeah. from day to day. And a lot of times if your weigh-in day happens to be a day that you ate salt or you dehydrated or you went for uh, a long run. Or you just couldn't uh, poop. <laughs> right? <laughs> because let me tell you, that was always my goal. <laughs> poop before weigh-in. Poop before weigh-in. Before your Weight Watchers meet. <laughs> yes. You wake up early on a Saturday and drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> no, like the, I had a regimen. I had it down to a pretty much a science. Wouldn't take a shower because it would get extra water on me. <laughs> no obsession here. Had to poop and couldn't eat or drink anything until after weigh-in. So I'd always walk in with a big cup of Starbucks. Oh, and you'd weigh in and then you drink yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, see, that proves you right there that the number itself is not exact, right? Well, it is. Absolutely. So a weekly average. I'm going to try it. We'll let you know how it works. Yeah. We'll, we'll post progress because I do feel like, you know, it's been six years since I gave up my obsession with the scale and my number. I had weighed myself right before the LA Marathon. So at some point during the lockdown, I think like eight weeks in, and I got on the scale expecting to have gained like 20 pounds and it was only eight and I remember thinking like oh okay phew like that's manageable right <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> but then I also think that it created a false sense of security for me and even though we did start exercising a bit after then it was nowhere near the level of marathon training right where we're running no absolutely. over 100 miles a month so I'm pretty sure when I get on that scale tomorrow <laughs> it's going to be up again from that original eight pounds only over my marathon weight 
Well, and it's the same way with me. You know, after we had finished marathon training and we went pretty much into, I think I may have gotten one run in and went into COVID, um, I was really concerned. And probably a month and a half into it, I thought, you know, just like putting a pair of jeans on, you don't want any surprises during COVID. So I went ahead and weighed myself and I was only up six pounds. Um, but I, I will tell you, as the COVID progressed, I know that changed because I've just recently weighed myself. But prior to that, I know I put enough weight on to where I felt very uncomfortable in my body. You know, we're talking about trying to not obsess over weight. Using weight as a tool, but I do think that we should choose a non-scale victory that we're working towards. Yes. And then I think we should also do this like reassessing because I want to enjoy food, you know, like I want to enjoy my middle age <laughs> and golden age. And so therefore the idea is what's the happy balance between eating most of my food for fuel to fuel a healthy body, having the occasional treat, you know, 4th of July we had hot dogs and ice cream cones. <laughs> yes, we did. So what's a non-scale victory for you that weighing less would help you meet? Everybody knows after the LA Marathon, I swore, absolutely swore, I was never running another marathon again. And then as COVID hit and my inability to run took over, I was actually really surprised. I'm like, I kind of want to run again. And I actually went to go sign up for it and stopped myself and I said, because I did put weight on and it was tougher running with the extra pounds. No, no kidding. Um, so I think if I can, when I, thinking positive, putting it out in the world, Jack Canfield, when I get to the goal weight for this, I'm not gonna say what it is yet, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and sign up for the LA Marathon. Oh, okay. You want a number. Because, well, you know, we, we, we've talked about this a lot before because, you know, you and I have different, we have different opinions on weight because we have different histories, right? You know, from the time I was 20 until the time I was 50, so for 30 years, I had a goal weight of 140 and I, and I hit that goal weight of 140 50, 60 times, I don't know, it would be two or three times a year for 30 years, right? So. <laughs> wow. I'd gain weight and then I'd lose weight and I'd gain weight and I'd lose weight and whenever I was at 140 and I'm I used to be 5'10 now I'm 5'9 <laughs> I used to be 5'9 and 3 quarters what? I used to be 5'9 and 3 quarters yes huh. um, but the point is I'm tall and 140 was pretty thin for me you know when I turned 50 I said that's not my healthy weight you know, I am an Athena, you know, I'm a triathlete and I say I'm in the Athena division because for me to be below 165 pounds, it's too hard to maintain. It's too, it's just too hard. It's eating nothing for pleasure, only for fuel. It's restricting my food intake to the point where I'm hungry. And I do believe that it also ultimately slows down my metabolism. I think that a healthy weight for me is 165, 170 but I'm probably 180, 85 now. We'll see when I get on the scale tomorrow morning. <laughs> so, I, so I really don't wanna pick a number. Like it really bothers me that I let go of that mindset. So for me, I don't wanna pick a number because I spent 30 years of my life obsessing over a number. But you have a much different story, right? Well, yes, because I have probably over my entire life, I've hit the goal weight twice. One of them was post-divorce. It was your typical sobbing, not eating, 
and I think someone told me, and I was not in good company with people that knew the right thing. So they said, oh, if you eat 500 calories a day, you'll lose weight. Well, yeah, and your insanity. So I did that, and then in 2008, I had a short stint of kind of getting it off, but the minute that I got to what I thought was a good one, I stopped and all the weight came back on. And as a lot of us know, the weight just doesn't come on exactly like it left. It brings friends. <laughs> and so, you know, I had um, the weight plus. So, but did you, but you didn't have a, an actual weight number. No, I didn't, no, and no, and ba- no, because here's the thing. If you've never hit a number, if you've never been at that weight where you were healthy, I didn't have a number. And it was only until 2016 where I actually have a number. And I don't necessarily mean that that's where I want to go, but I do know that so you hit a low weight when you had a, a long sustained weight loss that correct. included healthy eating and exercise. Correct. And so you, I hit that, the lowest point to ever hit, I hit that, and then I worked my way back up to a more manageable yeah. um, a weight. And that's kind of where I'm going to go for. And it's not as much a number as I just want to get enough weight off to where when I run, I, I know the feeling. Okay. So there you go. So for you, it's a feeling, right? Yeah. That's what I say. For me, I kind of feel the same way. It's a feeling. Um, I'm going to give a little exposition for our listeners because this is a conversation. But so Terry and I are both single. We've been single for a long time. I recently had a boyfriend for about seven or eight months. And I noticed something in this relationship because it's the first one I've had in, in a few years. And I went into this relationship with this attitude. Well, and I did say it a few times also, you know, you're going to like me for who I am. And it does not matter if I lose 10 pounds, if I gain 10 pounds, if you don't like me for who I am, you can take a hike. (laughs) And so I do believe that that was a little bit of self-sabotage because when you intentionally set this, like, it doesn't matter what I weigh mindset, you are giving yourself permission to eat unhealthily and to put on a little weight and you know we were training for a marathon which for me always helps keep weight down you know and again I don't have an exact number but I know for me my peak performance as an Athena triathlete you know when I when I've gotten on the podium when I've won or came in second and you know after the AIDS ride the first time I beat all those 20 year old girls yeah that's amazing (laughs) is somewhere hovering around 170 pounds Like, I know that that's a quote-unquote number, but I still don't want it to be a number. But then I just read this article that basically said, if you're a middle-aged or older woman and you have belly fat, you're 30, I think it's 30% more likely to have dementia. And that's the first time that I got, like, scared the crap out of me. Because that's the one thing I really don't want is dementia. (laughs) You know, my dad lived to be almost 103. And I think that I'm pretty healthy but I want to have my wits about me. (laughs) Like that is very, very important. That's something that would motivate me, you know, looking good in jeans, being able to wear a bathing suit. Like I swim all the time. I completely don't care that I'm a little bit of a chubby old lady swimming with a bunch of hot young guys at the, at our swim sessions anymore. I finally let go of all of that. And I'm afraid of a weight loss challenge, kind of derailing that mindset that's taken me six years to, to, you know, conquer. So that's what my fear is going into this. Well, I think just as I have feel like I've done in the past, I get concerned that I'm going to almost get to where I want to go. 
and then I'm going to sabotage myself. Everybody knows there's a BMI, and I am not a believer in it. But if you join Weight Watchers, they set a goal. This is what you, this is your weight that you have to be. Or you can't hit lifetime. You can't hit lifetime. So I was almost there. I had four pounds to go to be able to be lifetime. What is it for you? 125. Are you kidding? Yeah. Because there's pictures of you. We'll post a picture. At 129 was my lowest. You're skinny. Yep. Yep. But so when you go into that and just so you know, I am a firm believer in Weight Watchers. I truly believe it can help. It did. I would never have gotten to where I was without it. But I think they still need to grow and learn that bodies are different, women are different, and old broads are different. And we all lose weight differently. And our bodies are better sometimes at maybe a higher weight. But I also know I don't want to carry around an extra 20 or 30 pounds for the rest of my life. I'd like to find that manageable, maybe halfway point. I'll compromise. It was funny, yesterday you were carrying, how big was that bag? Oh yeah, I carried that bag of dirt up the stairs. That was probably 30 pounds. Oh my gosh, yes. And you were like, I- I, I almost had a heart attack when I got to the top of the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> and you know, for anybody, pick up something. Go buy a case of water and pick it up and carry it around. You'll know, and number one, it'll make you feel good. If you've lost 20 pounds, go carry around that 20 pounds. Yeah, well, so I guess this is a work in progress, um, but we wanted to kind of put it out there for people because we're gonna start an Old Broads Challenge and we love some accountability and for people to join in with us. I also think it would be cool for us to have some worksheets that are mental work that if we have some benchmarks, okay, well, this is a feeling I want to have. This is something that's not tied to a number because, again, I don't want to obsess about a number, but I do still think that, at least for the beginning of the challenge, getting on the scale is going to be, a, like you said, a tool for measurement. It is. You know, I think a lot of the, the, what we use, whether it's weights, a scale, um, our water bottles are all tools to help us um, be healthy. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, well, so join us on our Old Broads Challenge. Details on our website and on our Instagram. Follow us, because we love to follow you. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Old Broads Running Podcast. If you want to join our Facebook group, go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Old Broads Run. And if you're a runner over 50, we'd love to inspire others by sharing your story. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or email us at hello at oldbroadsrun.com. We look forward to seeing you out on the road.